Welcome to a Longer Table podcast, a space for real and sometimes hard conversations that will often challenge your perspective and always empower you to pull up more seats around your own table. I'm your host, Amanda Carpenter. Let's dive in. Y'all, today I have a childhood friend on the podcast. Holly is someone that I met. I think we met at church as kids. You were friends with my older stepsister, Aubrey. And I'm so thankful for the internet because we were able to reconnect years later. And here you are sitting at my table. I am so excited to have you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, uh, I'm super excited to chat with you about a lot of things, but um, let's, let's dive right in. You are a stay-at-home mom to a little boy and a little girl, and you and your husband live in Oregon with your kids. And before being a stay-at-home mom, tell us a little bit about what you did. Uh, before I was a stay-at-home mom, I taught at a private Christian school, but before that, I taught abroad in China. Yeah. Okay. So now we get to dive into what I'm really excited about. I've never been to China. So how did that experience come about that you decided to go abroad and yeah, dive into that. Tell us a little bit about your experience. Okay. So I was about to graduate college and I went to a school in Minnesota, North Central University. And um, it was my birthday month. So March, and I just didn't know what my next step would be. And so I decided to do a Daniel fast. So I did a Daniel fast for 21 days. What's a Daniel fast? Oh, a Daniel fast is um, a fast that Daniel typically did. I, you would have to research more to help me remember what all like the guidelines were, Mm -hmm. but basically you don't eat any sweet things. um, Nothing super elaborate. It's pretty basic. I don't remember if there was meat or not. To be honest, I'd have to look it back up. That was in 2013. So it was, seven years ago. (laughs) So much has happened since then. But, um, go ahead. But it's a fast to like, you're eliminating things as a, as a way to pray and connect with God. Exactly. A way to just try to connect with God. And I believe a lot of people spend a Daniel fast when you're searching for him in some way. So I was seeking for his will. Like, am I supposed to stay in Minnesota? Am I supposed to go back home, go somewhere else? I studied social work in college and I thought, well, what people group? I had been doing an internship at the Union Gospel Mission in St. Paul, loved working with the population there, um, but I just didn't know what was next. Mm -hmm. So I felt prompted to do a Daniel fast. I started doing it. I didn't really tell a lot of people. I just kept it to myself as a way to honor that time with the Lord. And I think it was about day 13. Um, the school I went to had chapel. So we had chapel. We had a certain number of days we had to go in a semester. And I wasn't going to go that day, but a good friend of mine said, come on, come with us. And it ended up being a Chinese uh, man who is a pastor in China with the underground church. And he, um, he preached in Chinese and there was a translator and everything. And it was it was a really super miraculous moment where the Holy Spirit just came over me. I don't know how else to explain it, but he was preaching about um, when the disciples were fishing all night and then Jesus told them to cast their nets on the other side. And one thing that stuck out that this man, I can't even remember his name, um, said was, God has prepared fish for you on the other side. All you have to do is cast your net. Mm-hmm. And it was clear as day that I was supposed to go to China and God has prepared the way for me. And I felt like, whoa, is that real? Are you really saying that to me, Lord? 
And well, it ended up being real. And two days later, I felt the prompting I needed to sell everything that I owned before going. So that was my next prompting. Then I started talking with some of my mentors and some of the professors at the university. And I'm like, well, how do I even get there? Am I like, how do I do that? And they're like, well, you could be a teacher. And I thought, a teacher? Okay, well, that's not my degree, but I guess it gets me there. It's easy to get in to teach abroad um, in most countries because you just need a college education and be a native English speaker, pretty much. So I went through an organization and then actually my professor who was a very, um, she's a very big influence in my life during that season. She um, sent me a Beth Moore Living Proof Ministry blog. And in that blog, at the end, she goes, read it always to the end. She said, if God is calling you to go to China, girl, go get your passport. And that was the day that I went to get my passport because I didn't even have a passport yet. Wow. Um, it was really miraculous just to see all of those steps and, and those months of preparation, selling my things, working at so many odds and end jobs, like under the table or babysitting. Um, God made a way and helped me raise the money to go. Um, and I went. So wow. that's what I did. So <laughs> really, really interesting story. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I've had a few, yeah. Okay. I've had a few moments in my life where I felt like I've heard maybe not an audible voice from God, but like a, a very strong, uh, there's really, for me, there's not a great way to explain it other than similar to how you did like a, a prompting from the Holy spirit. And so you feel sometimes, at least for me, I won't speak for you. I feel really silly about it because I'm like, no one's going to believe me or like, this is stupid or whatever. And when I look though at my life, the times that I have obeyed whatever I felt like God was truly calling me to do or giving me permission to move on or whatever are some of the most pivotal moment have led me to some of the most pivotal moments in my life. And, um, gosh, it's so cool that you listened. And before we dive into like kind of what comes next, which is like you getting to China and everything that happens when you're there, were you done with school when you got to China? Like, had you graduated with your degree and then this was your first kind of gig out of college is moving yeah. abroad? Okay. Basically, um, I had gone, I graduated in 2006, went to school for a year, and then I took three years off, went back. So I was a little bit older. Um, I think I was 24, 25 when I graduated. So yeah, I, I graduated that year. I got my degree and packed my bags in August and off I went to Shanghai. So, wow. And you've <laughs> never been to China? Never. And, and you I didn't went, know much about it. And did you get a one-way ticket when you went? Yep, I basically did. And I was talked trying to talk out of doing that. Um, I think I bought a one-way. Um, but when I actually shared with my parents, my dad said, I really don't think it's just one year thing. And I, I didn't have any guidance from the Lord on that. And I just thought, well, we'll see what happens. You know, yeah. it was really a lot of faith, just have to go on faith and be immersed into the situation. So yeah, it sounds like it faith over fear. Yeah. So you, so you get to China and tell us about what you did, who you met, what changed in your life. Tell us about China from your experience. Cause I've never been. So take me to China. <laughs> oh gosh. That's so hard. Um, I didn't live in a big city like Shanghai or Beijing or Guangzhou. I didn't live in any of those bigger cities. I lived in a small city in the South Central part. It's close to a large city called Changsha, which is kind of like China's Hollywood. 
per se. Um, and you get there and you're the only, um, you're the only white girl there. And I didn't know there was a university close to us where there were some other foreigners, right? So expats, foreigners and whatnot. Um, I didn't really hang out with them that much. Um, but I mostly made good friends that worked at the school. Um, most of my, the people I met were already teachers there. And that was, I mean, it's not easy, right, to move to another country and meet people that are from a completely different upbringing and culture and language from you and still somehow find a deep connection. But I found what I heard from the Holy Spirit that day in chapel where God said he has prepared fish specifically for me, people for me to meet on the other side. It was, it was true. And there were certain people that came into my life, one of them being my husband, <laughs> which is totally wow. crazy, um, was one of those people. So I had a really solid group of good girlfriends that we would hang out and do stuff and we would rely on each other for, you know, the stuff that's going on in our lives, the deeper stuff rather than just the surfacey things. Yeah. That's a part of the culture. So Anyway, <laughs> what's a part of the culture being going deep or the surface? Um, it's hard for people. I believe from my experience there, it's hard for people to trust others um, and to be able to share the true things. I had one good girlfriend, um, something was going on in her life and she, I could tell I I'm just very, I'm very in tune with people, I think, and their feelings. And I could just tell something was wrong. There was a sadness and she, I would poke and prod a little, but not too deep, right? You don't want to invade someone, but you're like, hey, are you doing okay? She shared, and I was the only person she shared with. And I knew that was one of the reasons was to be her friend. And um, so that's just kind of a picture. It was a very serious thing going on in her life, and she hadn't shared with anybody else. So the feeling of judgment of other people gossiping, especially in smaller cities compared to the bigger cities, there's tons of gossip. Um, kind of a, a funny thing, I guess I can share when I first met my husband. Well, he obviously he was my husband then, but when I first met him, we became friends and we would go to eat or get a, like a tea or something. And the next day, all of his colleagues, his coworkers would come up to him and be like, Hey, I saw you with the foreign teacher. So it it was a very obvious thing. And word traveled fast. Word traveled fast. Eventually it got to like my boss and she called him. It's it's a whole drama, seriously. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So well, yeah, and I'll just say I think we can that actually kind of makes sense too for at least my experience here in the US. Like when I lived in a small town, like word traveled fast, there's gossip, there's drama. And now I live in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yes, I have my people, my community, but um it it seems to be very different. There's just so many people and I don't, yeah, it's, it's like, we, we don't all, I don't walk into a coffee shop and automatically know the people that I'm going to run into and it's just different. Exactly. So that totally makes sense. Um, so what were you doing while you were in China again, job wise, were you teaching? Did you end up teaching even though your degree was social work? Yep. I taught English, um, at the school where I worked, it was a vocational school and the students, primarily the students I taught were in the foreign language department studying to become like preschool teachers or maybe some of them elementary school teachers to teach English to the kids. 
Awesome. And what did being in China so far away from your family and your friends and having to make new friends, but you're like obeying God. So that's cool too. But like that had to be hard at times. Like I'm guessing, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm guessing that there were times where you're really homesick or moments where you were like, am I really supposed to be here or, or not? I don't know. But what, how, how did that help you grow up? Cause I can imagine at 24, 25 years old, like you're forced to grow up. I, I went to Costa Rica for the, my first year, um, post college and taught there. And in a lot of ways, it really forced me to grow up, but that's not nearly as far away as China. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that. That's a hard question. Um, I think maybe in some ways it was learning how to do life outside of the college cushion, even though even though when I went back to school, I didn't live in the dorm. I lived in an apartment. I worked a full-time job. I found a church by myself. I didn't do university activities. I basically did my own thing because I was there to learn. I was there to study and I was there to get a good degree. I wasn't there to play and mess around, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in a way, I feel I grew up a little bit then and then going to China. Sometimes it, you feel, I felt a little lost. I guess, because I didn't know where my place was even there. Um, when you're the only person who can speak uh, English and it's there, there aren't a lot of people in the grocery store who can speak English. I didn't have a good translator resource. So I'd go to the store. I can't read anything. I don't know how you pay, like what the weight is and the cost of things if it's cheap or expensive. I didn't know any of that stuff. So I just went to the store, even finding me. I remember asking the student, I said, which, what, how do you write pork? And how do you write the word beef? Because I don't even know what the meat is in the store. Nothing's written for you. Right. 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 And did <laughs> and you, I couldn't ask anyone either. Cause I didn't know how to ask that at that time. Yeah. I was going to say, did you end up learning some Chinese while you were there? Was that a goal of yours was to try to pick up as much of the language as you could? Well, it wasn't my goal when I first moved there, but I did. So what I ended up doing was building my own side hustle, I guess you could say, teaching um, younger kids. Some of them were in elementary school and younger. And in exchange, the mom, one of the moms would teach me Chinese. So she taught me maybe like four or five lessons. And I don't know what it is, but I picked up the language really fast. Um, I can't carry on a deep conversation. I can't talk about politics or maybe some other social issues, but I can get around. I can communicate with my, my in-laws, right. And, yeah. and communicate with them. So, so how long were you living so, in China? I lived there for three years and I was going back for a fourth. Um, but we ended up, my husband and I ended up moving to the U S so Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into the love story. Cause I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> you meet this guy, clearly you hit it off. You start dating. You, did you tell your parents? Not quite. Like, oh no, that's not how not it quite like that. So, okay. um, let's see, I, I moved there in 2013 in September and I met him during the mid autumn festival, which is the not also known as the moon festival. It's one of the big, um, harvest festival so anyhow he was coming back from his parents and he lived in the same building as I did this is how we met 
So I saw him and I was chatting with his neighbor because I thought, oh my gosh, this person looks my age. At that point, I hadn't met many people. I had only been there maybe a month. Okay. I met many people. I had a couple people I knew, but they had families. And coming from the culture here, you think they're busy with their kids and their family, which is true. But I would say uh, the culture is a little different there. You sh- at least it's changing now, but in the past, um, the parents would move in with their kids and help raise their kids with them. And it's, it's just a cultural thing. So also like they help their kids buy their first home too. So it's, it's, and some people do that here, like help their kids buy their first home, but you don't usually have your parents living with you to help you raise your kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a different culture there, but they still would go out is what I'm trying to say, but I didn't realize that I thought I was invading in there. Got it. Um, that's a cultural difference thing. Yep. So anyway, um, he came up the stairs and we start talking and he can actually speak English. And I thought, Oh my gosh, this guy can speak English. This is great. I need a friend. And there was a connection there, but it's complicated when you meet someone from a different culture and you think, is this even, are you even able to have a relationship with them with all of the differences? And that was one of the hardest things for my now husband was coming to grips with like, okay, I'm the man, right? And I have to provide for my family. Am I able to stay with this woman our whole life with our different countries? Are we able to get married and do this and that? It was a question. And I was just kind of like, God brought this guy into my life. I wonder why he brought him here. You know, what's the point of this guy? There's a connection. So anyway, we were friends um, the whole time. And we got along well. He helped me buy my first e-bike, which is kind of like a a moped. Um, it's an electric bicycle. Cool. <laughs> um, I had a couple of those while I was there. Um, he taught me how to cook. He would come after class and help me cook lunch. Taught me how to buy dishes and how to make rice in the rice cooker. I had never done that before. Um, and just kind of showed me around the city a little bit. Gave me He actually gave me a big boost of confidence to just go and do the things and just kind of get, help me get my footing, I guess you could say, because there wasn't any help. It, they showed me the grocery store and that was it. Yeah. So to pay the electricity and that was it. And then there I was by myself wow. to go to my class. Show me, they did give, did give me a tour of the campus to show me the different buildings, but that was it. I mean, you're on your yeah. own. Sink or You're swim. on your own. <laughs> yes. Wow. So you meet so, him. He's this awesome friend. You happen to have a connection. At what point do you guys realize there's chemistry and it's going to be like something more than a friendship? Was there a... Oh, that's I, a hard I, one to pin, pinpoint. I think at the beginning we had kind of a conversation, but we both weren't sure he was coming out of a relationship that was really serious, Got it. Um, which is hard. Right. And um, so we just decided to stay friends and it gets complicated. I mean, think about it from his perspective. Right. He's a teacher in this school and he goes to hang out with a new friend. And the next thing you know, one of the head honchos of the school is calling you asking why you're hanging out with her. It's really intimidating and could feel you feel accusatory and think, well, it's my life. Why is she calling me? It's my own right to do what I want. Right. Yeah. So that was really hard, really hard for him to be seen, I guess, so much and stand out, which Mm -hmm. could 
I mean, most people might feel that way a little bit too in every culture, but I feel in Chinese culture, it's huge to be as a group. There's a huge part about a group element and everyone, everyone's a group, basically. Everyone is one and we all do the things the same way, I guess, is one way to put it. And if Mm. you stand out, people do stand out and people have, but um, typically the normal is the standard, I guess you could say. Yeah. 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 So it's hard for him. Um, but I would say like we decided to become a couple. Um, it was in the winter of 2015 and we became a couple when he invited me home for spring festival with his family, um, which is a big deal. That's okay. typically when you bring home your girlfriend to meet your family is at the kind of like Christmas for Chinese people. It's spring mm-hmm. festival, the Chinese new year, lunar new year. So he brought me home and I was introduced as the girlfriend basically. Wow. And did they embrace you and accept you right away? I had met them the previous year as a friend mm-hmm. um, just to see, I think he was kind of testing the waters. He's a very, my husband is a very calculated um, logical, well thought out person. And it's something that I hugely admire yeah. about him. Yeah. So he tested the water, see how would this go? And it actually went great. It was really fun. We had a good time. I stayed at his parents' house with him. Um, so that was interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's really different culture. So, (laughs) and did your so so another question I have is like I know because we went to the same church. We've talked a little bit about our upbringing in a Assemblies of God church and and some of the very conservative, yeah, just just the upbringing that we had when it comes to Christianity. What what does I mean? I guess yeah. Just to put it bluntly, like, did your husband grow up in a Christian household or not at all? Or nope, not at all. So he has learned a little bit about Christianity and that was one of the, that's a big box for me. So um, I guess you could say that's one of those. um, Non-negotiables. Non-negotiables. Thank you. So when we first met, that was one of the reasons was he didn't know anything about Jesus. And I also didn't feel too comfortable missionary dating. That's a very Christianese term, Um, but it's, like basically dating someone before they're a Christian and then trying to get them to become a Christian, Mm -hmm. I think while you're dating them. Yeah. And I wasn't into that. I'm like, I'm not going to morph somebody's will into my will because they are human. They have their own choice and their own self-determination to do what they like. Mm -hmm. So instead I prayed, I prayed for him for three years, the three years while I was there, I guess it would be like two, maybe two and a half or something like that. Mm -hmm. I prayed for him and I prayed that God would, and not just for him, but other people, but I prayed for him that God would show up in a big way that only he would know that it was God showing up. And in some ways God did do that. And I think a part of it was through me and also through other instances. Um, So in the end, we decided to start dating and then he became a Christian. So we're dating before we're Christian or he was a Christian or whatever you want to say. Um, But he, he did. And I would, I think if I could speak for him, the one thing he shared was he had so much more peace and there was less worry and stress after giving his life over to the Lord. 
That's really so, cool. It was wow. really cool. And when he shared that, I just thought, because I've been a Christian my whole life, perhaps I don't know what it would feel like to not have that part of my life and how it would feel. And then when I did receive Jesus, um, become, become in a relationship with the Lord, that would actually give you a lot of peace in some ways, not peace that everything's okay and perfect and okie dokie, but rather that someone's got your back and someone else is there with you walking through your life and and so on. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing all of that. I, I want to touch base because we're in the COVID times of as we record this right now. And there's been some very ignorant remarks made. There's been um, some terrible headlines and just things where, you know, people are saying this is like the Chinese virus or the, you know, and, and I, it's, it's awful. And my question for you, there's numerous layers to this. So I'll ask the first one. Have you witnessed any racism against like your husband or your biracial children or anyone who's Chinese that you know? Since COVID or in general? I guess you take, yeah, either in general, but specifically with COVID too. I just don't know if, if you've noticed any differences because of well, there, the media. There has been an increase um, in different uh, attacks, I guess would say towards Chinese Asian people. Um, I have a good friend who actually lives in Minnesota and she's endured her whole life that she's lived here. She's endured numerous amounts of racism and different types of attacks towards her. Um, my husband, my kids never, they're, at least from my experience so far, my, my oldest is just two and a half. We, I haven't endured anything. And maybe we did, but I didn't notice because my eyes aren't attuned too well yet to all of the things that happen. But I would say no. But my husband has. And sometimes even in his work environment, he's a nurse. So he works in a local hospital here. The lo- This hospital he's worked at, there hasn't to my knowledge, from what he shared, there hasn't really been anything. But in other places, people would call him out during trainings to try to find out what it was like there in China compared to here and use him as an example to show what's right and wrong. And and I said, honey, that's, she's being racist to you. You need to speak up and say something. So I've seen that. I also have other friends who live in the Pacific Northwest who have had outright they're shopping and someone speak up to them and say, Hey, this is because of you. And just think it's a load. Yeah. The load of BS. It's what I have to say. It's absolutely. And I just have to call it out for what it is. When I heard, when I heard the leaders of our country referring to this virus as a Chinese virus, I just could not believe it. Like, do you not realize how racist that is? I even had a, I had the courage, I guess you could say, to share something to my Facebook. And there was some people who didn't even understand why it was racist, which is great that they're asking the question because they don't understand. And that's good. And I think when people ask the question, perhaps they really, truly don't understand. So it's best, in my opinion, to try to find that, like, see the good in it and expect the best from people and the good from people. So instead of condemning her or speaking down, try to explain why it is racist to call it 
that and the, the repercussions of using that word to describe a virus, the, yeah. the repercussions that would, that it would have. And yeah. there have been, there's been an increase of yeah. attacks towards, like I, apparently there was a Chinese man with his son who, who was stabbed mm. because they're Chinese. It's out, outrageous to me. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, no, it's awful. But I do love the point that you made about people, some some people asking if, if they don't understand. I, I think that's actually the very first step in people's journey to becoming more aware of racism and educated and informed is you you have to ask questions. You have to dig in and do your own work and read books and listen to podcasts and follow different voices of of thought leaders in those spaces and people who have different life experience than you. Um, it's it, the, the problem comes when it's defensive, like yeah. the argumentative, like telling someone, no, that's not true. It's like, you can't argue with someone else's experience. Um, so starting curiosity over conclusions always, every time that's, that's awesome. Yeah, well, right. as we, uh, as we wrap up our time here, cause I just realized how long we've been chatting. I, I think what I would like to hear from you is really any advice you have for someone who is going to be graduating or maybe has just graduated and they are not sure where they're supposed to be. They're not sure what they're supposed to do. They, maybe they're not dating anyone. And like you at that point in their life, they weren't tied down for any reason, and maybe they feel a little lost and they're seeking their next step. I guess, do you have any wisdom or words of advice for that person? Because you clearly heard something from, from God and it led you to this incredible adventure in China for three years. And not only was it a great experience, but you got a spouse out of it, which is just super cool. I mean, what a sweet story um, that you trusted God enough to listen and then out of that came, came all these amazing things. What would you say to someone who maybe is where you are at their mid twenties, um, and unsure of a next step? Oh, geez. Well, I would say that not everyone has the same experience, right? So maybe someone has the experience like I did, or maybe someone has a clear pinpointed plan of where they want to go. And some people don't have any idea. My advice would be to take some time and really search your own interests and the things that you've been um, you've been interested in over the past years while you've been in school. Take a while to explore that. If you are a Christian, definitely seek the Lord and ask Him, like, where would you have me go? Um, but remember that everyone's story is not the same, and it's definitely not a um, just, uh, I guess you could say, you're not just going to go up to the 10th floor of the building. You got to climb the stairs. Yeah. And sometimes you fall and then sometimes you're running and sometimes you get in the elevator and then you have to get back out. So don't be discouraged. If you don't know, don't be yeah. discouraged. Instead, try something out. You never know what you're going to like. Yeah. Similar to you, right? Yeah. You finally have found, found your, your path and yeah. it's still evolving. So exactly. and that's the beauty of life too, is yeah. that you're never just going to be on one straight path. It's very rarely that nowadays, but Absolutely. Today, but it's Absolutely. very rarely that. So, yeah, no, I, I love that wisdom. I, I would underline all of what you said. 
and echo it. Um, it's been true of my journey for sure. I, I tell people that are like, I don't know what to do, or I have my degree, but I don't even know where to start. And just all of the unknowns at such, I, I feel like my transition from high school to college was very easy. My transition from college to just, uh, for lack of better words, the real world and being an adult and independent adult, um, that was tough there. That was a really hard season for me. Um, but what I feel confident, and this is my own experience. So again, everyone's experience is their own, but like life gets better every year. And I don't know if that is something I can attribute specifically to my relationship with Jesus. I I definitely think there's a big part of that. Um, I also just think every year we get a little wiser, a little more mature, a little slower to speak and slower to react. Mm -hmm. And from the, from that, um, I see fruit and I see, uh, peace and joy. And so I just want to encourage anyone who is in a tough spot or in a transitional time of their life to be encouraged by listening to Holly's story of obedience and faith and where God led her. And also just, um, our encouragement, um, that we're both saying really, which is just, just take one step at a time. And, um, trust that God will carry you. That's all we can do, you know? And so I feel like sometimes it's like, I'm like, I wish I could give you more. Like, I wish I could tell you take steps A to B to C to D, but, um, that's not reality and everyone's path is going to be different. So I'm so thankful for this conversation. I'm thankful for your willingness to share. Uh, I think that one of the things I'm walking away with most encouraged by is, the, the faithfulness in the unknown. Um, it's good to, good to hear stories of that because it's just good to be reminded, uh, from time to time. And so thank you for being that reminder for me today and so many others. Um, we'll have to see if we can chat again to dig deeper into life as a stay at home mom and so many other things that I want to chat about, but until next time, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Have a good one.